Welcome, Dice Eaters, to Eat My Dice, an actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm your Dungeon Master, Rachel, and these are my three lovely friends, Freya, our Editor-in-Chief. Playing Antonia of Stormguard, Half-Orc, Tempest Domain Cleric, and Wild Magic Sorcerer. Jay. Playing Sir Bramley Hemeris, an Asmar Bear Totem Barbarian. And Barry. Playing Rami Sinha, a Half-Elf, Psionic Soul Sorcerer, and Monk. Check us out online at Eat My Dice Pod on Twitter and Tumblr and on our website, eatmydicepod.wixsite.com forward slash eatmydicepod. We here at Eat My Dice would also like to publicly express our continued support for the Black Lives Matter movement. And so we have decided to shout out a different BLM related charity each week. Hi, I'm Jay and I have the privilege of shouting out this week's charity. And my chosen charity is AZ Magazine. AZ Magazine is a platform created by four black queer women in order to showcase queer, trans and intersex uh, black and indigenous people of colour and address issues facing the community, particularly the underrepresentation of QTIBIPOC in the wider LGBT plus community itself. Since the magazine isn't actually self-funded, donations go towards commissioning um, creators, writers and artists to be part of the magazine. and. Also all of these creators are in the QTI BIPOC community. Because of difficulties faced by the coronavirus, they are currently fundraising £10,000 in order to create more articles and keep commissioning their creators and also to keep their magazine status going. They're also trying to expand outside of London and keep their events running. It's mostly virtual at the moment because obviously we can't meet up in person, but they're also fundraising to keep their online events going as well. They're also creating an additional £10,000 fund for black LGBT plus artists and creators in a project to highlight their own personal stories through their chosen mediums. They've recently published a fantastic article with the help of AKT, an LGBT plus homeless youth charity, about the effects of coronavirus on the QTI BIPOC community. So if you get a few minutes, I highly recommend giving it a read. Uh, the link to their GoFundMe is on their website, uh, which is azmagazine.co.uk. Uh, thanks for listening. All right. Without further ado, let us enter the world of Riyama. Last we left off, our three heroes were initially separated after Antonia's tempestuous deity pulled her from an interdimensional space for a quick conversation. Rami and Bram met Jared, the little goblin guide hired to get them to Sudrak, who told them that the practice of magic and usage of magical items without an arcane arts practitioner's license was illegal. They noted that the arcane puzzle cube that had transported them to a pocket dimension for unit training had been moved from its original position as if someone had entered the room while they were in the pocket dimension. Meanwhile, Antonia was having a conversation with Kalakai, her deity, who revealed that they had been unceremoniously thrown off the Celestial Council of Deities and had been replaced with a corrupting influence. They also revealed that their influence was waning daily and that Antonia's bond with them was one of their only remaining vestiges of power. They told Antonia that the only way for them to regain their status would be to bring the Celestial Council back into assembly, which could only be achieved through the assembly of seven holy artefacts upon the altar at Laran Rienza. L'Oreal. Antonia was then returned to the Silver Finn, where they discovered that the Imperial Guard, otherwise known as the Watch of Iriandar, had been tipped off to their illegal use of magic and attempted to enter the room, only for Bram to initially knock one to the ground and for them to trip another on the stairs, leaving him unconscious. They raced up from the basement to the ground floor of the tavern to find several more guards idling and waiting for their comrades to return. As they noticed that they were not accompanying our three heroes, their hands strayed to the hilts of their swords, preparing for combat. And that is where we ended our session.
everyone roll initiative. Oh boy. <laughs> Rami's initiative was 17. Bram got a 14 overall. And I got a 9. All of these cards, they all have the same initiative and they did not roll well. As you emerge from the stairwell, you see that there are a few tables in between you and the door and there's a lot of patrons. It's a very busy tavern and the guards are sort of positioned so that they might close in on you unless you get moving quickly. What would you like to do? We're going to take a look around and Rami, Rami goes, I-, I think we need to go. Yeah, I so think I think we need to run. perhaps jumping over some tables is in our near future, which I'm not thrilled about must say bram looks down at herself and it kind of looks back up and looks back down at herself she's like i'm wearing heavy plate armor i think i'm just gonna i think i'm just gonna do some shoving guys uh, go yeah, crazy that's, that's that's fine you can do I, that um right. rachel can i ask a question yes um would it be possible for rami to pole vault with his quarter staff? <laughs> that would be so sick i hope so i would definitely let you try <laughs> okay okay Tell me who's shoving and who's jumping. I'm shoving. Uh, Rami's going to try and jump. I think Antonia's going to try and shove. Go behind Bram as much as possible because Bram is much bigger than she is. You know what? If you said you're going to follow directly behind Bram, I'll say that Bram make a athletics check and Rami make an acrobatics check for me. Okay. Do I get a proficiency bonus if I'm using my quarter star? Do you have I... proficiency? No. Do you have proficiency in acrobatics? Because you do no. if you have proficiency. No. You you have proficiency in using your, your quarterstaff as a weapon. You don't have a, a proficiency in using it as a pole Job. vault. Perhaps Rami should start learning how to pole vault. I think he will after this. Guess who has a plus six to athletics, guys? Bram. <laughs> I know I made a joke about it, but I just rolled a nat one. Oh no! Oh, no. Seven overall. I think it's probably because the tavern is just so packed like it's about midday it is packed with patrons so you start trying to shove the tables out of the way but you've just got ale sloshing everywhere people yelling at you like clanking and covered in piss you're clanking and covered in ale is what you are um (laughs) all the patrons standing up and they're like trying to pick a fight with you and they're like oh watch it as you're like you're moving through the tavern and you're running into some trouble you see rami take a running start with jared on his back and plant his quarterstaff into the ground and take a flying leap through the air. His like orange robes kind of, and golden robes kind of like streaming behind him, this like elegant like arc of like almost fire. And Rami, you end up like by the door, like you could run out of the door. I'd like to. The other two of you, I will give you a chance to make a dexterity check because I think you'd have enough time to change your mind and okay. take a cheeky vault, so. Shit, okay, we did much better on that one. That was a 16 plus 2? 18. Um, Can I grab Antonia and, like, yank her off the floor with me on onto the table? Yes. I can, yeah. Excellent. Okay. You, you can do that. You leap onto a table, your, like, heavy booted foot coming into, like, splintering contact with it. You knock, like, five um, tankards of ale over as you <laughs> jump up onto the table. Um, and you, you kind of grab Antonia by the scruff of her neck. Bram, if you make a successful strength check for me right now, I'll let you throw Antonia over your shoulder and carry her out. I would like to see it. <laughs> I would like to see it. <laughs> Antonia would like to see it. 18. Is that, that successful? Please okay, say successful. Okay, that's successful. Yes! Thank God. You just 
kind of hoist her up over your shoulder and take and take a flying leap from like table to table as you kind of zigzag your way out of the room, knocking stuff over in your wake. You, you were like kicking people in the face, knocking people's tankers over, stepping in people's food, and you managed to get out of the tavern. Okay, and as you do, you sprint out and you skid around the corner and you find yourself near the tail end of an extremely long and extremely busy road. Market Street, absolutely crammed with people and sensations. Flashes of colour catch your eye. Bright, lurid red, seafoam green, bright white, reflecting the beating sun. And you smell enticing spices, smoke, honey, salted meat and a tinge of sweat. And then you hear a shout behind you and you see the five guards from the tavern spot you and begin advancing quickly towards you, the golden cracks in their armour glinting in the sun uh, and the red cloaks flowing behind them. You see people anxiously begin to move out of their way as they do and it seems as if they're unwilling to be caught up in confrontation with them. Am I still carrying Antonio? You can put Antonio down on your turn. The mechanics of this chase. <laughs> we had a look at the official 5e mechanics for chases and we decided they suck and also are bad to listen to. So Freya came up with some good mechanics that we're going to use for this. So you, you run out onto the street. You're kind of at the tail end of the market so it's not really in the busiest part of it yet. Um, but the first thing you encounter is low hanging sort of white sheets of drying linen um, and you see that most people are walking through them or walking around them and just kind of brushing them out of the way but with how fast you're going uh, you're going to need to be a little bit more dexterous so would everyone please make a DC 15 dex check for me please. Rami got a 17 flat uh, plus one dex which is 18. Antonia got a five. Bram just got a fucking nat 19, guys. Well, I'm still carrying Antonia, aren't I? So Antonia doesn't need to make a dex check. You are still carrying Antonia. Bram has Antonia fireman carried over her shoulder and yeah. Antonia's head is smacking against Bram's like backplate. <laughs> like doink, 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 doink. You've got, you're like holding onto your hat with one hand. Antonia's <laughs> losing brain cells yeah. by yeah. a minute. Antonia may not be enjoying the experience, but Bram is her new best friend. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Rami, on, a, on an 18, you wrap um, one of the sheets around your wrist and you fully just like Pirates of the Caribbean like swing through this section. Um, no sweat. All right. So yeah, so you move it all to the next checkpoint. You see that there is um, a cart tethered to the side of the road and it's full of these like beautiful shining oranges. And you see someone uh, in their haste to get out of your way sort of as, as you're sprinting up the street, trip over this sort of badly knotted tether that's keeping the cart upright and the rope twists for a moment and the cart teeters and the knot slips out, the rope unravels and it begins to roll down towards you and the owner is sort of like helplessly shouting after it as it goes. So everyone, go ahead and make a acrobatics or athletics choice for- Finally! <laughs> that's a 16 plus 5 for athletics! <laughs> Hell yeah. That's a 10 plus 6, so 16? 16. Hi. I got a nat 3, oh, but also uh, I had plus 1 acrobatics, so it is a 4. The, the sad thing is, face, like, Bram's running forwards, very focused on running forwards, but Antonia can see the orange cart going past, because she's facing that direction. Are you still holding me? <laughs> yeah, Bram, I'm going to do something very nice now, because I'm a very nice person, and ask you, did you put Antonia down? 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> you guys are lucky I'm so lenient. <laughs> you, Thank you, you put... gracious DM, I love you. <laughs> so you've put Antonia down. Antonia, you fully jump over this cart. Like you, you put one hand on the side and use it as leverage to just fully like vault over this cart, like no sweat. Even if it's even as it's like rolling towards you and it's really heavy. Brand, your foot kind of catches one of the pieces of wood that's jutting out of the back of the cart, and you still manage to get over it. Not in quite as cool of a way as Antonia, but you manage to get over it. Rami, the cart tips over and is like careening towards you and smashes into your side. And where it makes um, an impact, it kind of also goes into the side of the building and oranges just like spill out into the street. You take five bludgeoning damage. So Bram and Antonio, what would you like to do? Because you have an action this turn, each of you, because you managed to successfully negotiate Shit. it. I'm going to tell you what's at the next checkpoint as well, in case that um, informs your decision anymore. So the road widens a little into what you quickly realise is the fishmonger's quarter. There's loads and loads of market stalls with silvery fish laid out in, in crushed ice and like hanging salted fish. And the floor is like slick with like seawater and melted ice. That's what you're running towards currently. Antonia notices the guards are probably uh, gaining on Rami fairly quickly. And uh, would like to cast Fog Cloud so that they can't see him. Okay. Hopefully to give them disadvantage and give us all a bit of a boost. You cast Fog Cloud around the guards and entirely obscure their vision. You hear like the obvious sounds of a scuffle. They've got oranges rolling in there, like bits of car everywhere. And, and you hear commotion from inside and you hear someone say magic user. And like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of shouting going on currently. So all of you, I think with the extra time bought from the guards vision being thoroughly obscured by the thick swirling sea fog that Antonia conjures around them. You managed to negotiate your way through the, the fishmongers uh, sector without too much incident. Right, so as you get to the, the next checkpoint, you see kind of a, a large, a fairly large wooden structure uh, with a horseshoe nailed above the door frame. What way up is the horseshoe? It's, um, this is very important. It's like an N. <laughs> That's bad luck, Rachel. Okay. Well, it is bad luck for you because <laughs> inside <laughs> you see kind of large um, glossy horses are um, kind of tossing their manes and pouring at the ground, but they're all restrained. That is all but one, a white horse whose reins are clutched in the hands of a kind of weedy, nervous looking stable boy. At the commotion, the horse kind of whinnies and rears up and the stable boy uh, startles and lets go, lets go of the reins, jumping back in surprise. The horse then proceeds to bolt directly at you. Everyone make a dexterity check for me. Well, I got an 11 minus one, so that's a 10 again. I got Honey, a seven. Poor Antonia. Honey, that's, a that's a five plus two, seven. Antonia needs what, to so, fix her decks. Hang on, so you got you got a ten and two sevens on that check, yeah. is that right? We're all gonna be trampled. We're okay. all gonna be trampled to death by a horse. You know how big horses are, like they are truly just massive. And this huge white horse stampedes towards you and you see like it's kicking people left and right and people are kind of like screaming and kind of jittering out of the way. Antonia, you just 
barely managed to get out of the way on time as this horse zooms directly at you. I, I think it's probably plowing towards one of the, this, uh, towards the side of the street and you're on the opposite side. So you, it like brushes past you. You get a little bit sh shoved to the side, but no damage. Uh, the other two of you kind of get caught up um, and kicked a little and trampled around a little and you take four bludgeoning damage and four piercing damage as the horse lashes out at you as makes its way past you. Uh, Antonia, you succeeded. What would you like to do with your action? Antonia, mm, Antonia is technically far enough ahead to escape, but I don't think she feels particularly confident in it. So, okay. um, she's gonna just go to the next, just keep going. She's just gonna keep running and hope for the best. So you just want advantage? Like yes. Is that right? Yeah, okay. All right, so all three of you, some of you are a little more battered and bruised than others, uh, advance to the next section of the market. And you see stacks and stacks of these glazed, like, inked plates. And they're really beautiful. They've bold, black brushstroke designs on them of, like, runes that mean things like good fortune and blessed family. And they're all kind of stacked up in this very, very precarious display. So everyone go ahead and make a dexterity check for me. Oh my fucking god. Okay, that's a 17. Okay. I got an 18, so I also got a 17. That's a 19 overall, <laughs> sorry. Plus two decks. Rami got a 16. Yeah, all three of you managed to weave your way deftly in between the these like stacked displays of plates. And you see that the, the store owner's there and, she, and she's very nervous. She's like, oh, as you like start running through and like weaving away through her plates. As Bram especially, you feel nervous about this because you're wearing this like very heavy armor and there's just very like delicate um, kind of ceramics wear. But you you manage to weave your way through all of these plates without, without breaking any of them. So congratulations. All three of you have an action this round. What would you like to do? Okay, Bram is gonna try and make a deft escape. Okay, so okay, so just make a straight stealth check for me then. So sixteen. How are you going to try and escape? Well, Bram kind of like weaves her way through the plates, goes up to the woman, she goes, "I'm I'm so sorry about this. Do you mind if I just can I just pop through the back of your shop like real quick? Like I won't I won't touch anything. I'm really sorry." I I, I mean I I suppose just, uh, please be awesome. Careful. Thanks. She kind of like pats like her the the woman like gently on the shoulder and she goes, "Really appreciate that," and kind of like darts into the shop. Oh okay. Oh, Right. Um. The, the lady kind of like looks uh, shocked around. Um. I'm going to make a perception check. You, you probably throw them off a bit by weaving really fast in between the the plates, and then you disappear and <gasps> yes. go in through the woman's shop into the back and you find yourself in a back alley kind of filled with little trinkets and pieces of jewelry you think it's some sort of jewelry or crafts quarter you found yourself in the two of you watch as as bram deftly makes her way through these plates and disappears round into the plate shop the two of you what would you like to do <sighs> i feel like antonia needs to pull some shit but i don't know what <laughs> are you allowed to move your fog cloud says um you create a 20 foot radius sphere of fog centered on a point within range which is deeply I annoying i would let you try if you made an arcana check yes i'm gonna roll an arcana check to try and move it then and that is an 18 uh, plus zero so 18 <laughs> okay you stand in the street and you have never done this before you you kind of rarely use this this spell I probably would imagine in your day-to-day -day life. But you close your eyes and 
you feel the mark on your forehead sear bright as you stretch your hand out and you call the fog to you and it hesitates for a second it kind of lingers where it is but then you see it begin to sort of materialize and swirl between people up the street to you in this like long weaving ribbon and you call the fog swirls around you and you're standing in the middle of your fog cloud excellent rami what would you like to do i think rami is just gonna take his movement because he's a little bit behind excellent the two of you you so you watch bram disappear into this plate shop as you make your way up into the next section of the market you hear the like heavy sound of of metal on metal um and this very loud clanking noise and the heat in the area kicks up a little bit and you see um this thick smoke kind of emerging from a lot of the the buildings and you see on the side of the road there's laid out lots of weaponry and swords and very finely crafted crossbow bolts and axes and swords and daggers and all kinds of halberds all kinds of weapons um and you yeah you kind of infer that you've wandered into the uh main sort of forge area so everyone go ahead and make a constitution check for me an 18 from Antonia. Uh, 17 from Rami. Okay, yeah, so both of you kind of like raise your arms to your face and begin like waving the smoke out of your eyes and it does sting but other than that, you're, fa- you're pretty okay. Um, Rami, you you can see that the the mark on Antonia's forehead, um, after she called the fog to her, it was glowing a little brighter. It's fading now, like it seems like it, it, it started glowing and then started fading. You continue on um and what would you like to do with your action do you mind if i try and get jared out of this me and jared out of this you absolutely can try and escape yeah go ahead and roll a stealth check yeah so 18 18 i'm gonna go ahead and roll a perception check for these guys oh fog right freya yes indeed okay disadvantage then and that they rolled a two and an eight so um (laughs) rami you notice that you are currently shrouded by smoke and the guys that are pursuing you are deep in this fog cloud how would you like to escape rami turns to address jared and asks them do you know any way i can get out of here uh, they, they look around um and their eyes kind of catch on this uh, very very narrow alley that is like wending down um and they're like I-, I think if we take a shortcut down there we we might be able to get back to the ceramics area i think they can okay that sounds fine i i'm gonna go for it and he just very nimbly light foots it yeah. out of there oh he's a light-footed boy he is. You very nimbly sort of like slip into the side alley. And Antonio, I think he does it so quietly as, as he's going that all you notice of him is just like the tail end of his orange um, robe kind of disappearing into the alley as he swishes around the corner really quickly. Um, okay, Antonio, what would you like to do with your action? Antonio would like to follow him. <laughs> You'd like to follow him? Yeah. Okay. You're going to make a stealth check for me? Yes. And I get advantage because I'm more than two checkpoints ahead. I've been keeping track of things, and that's still a 10, so never mind. Okay, I'm gonna roll oh, these no. guys. My poor, poor child. Okay, no. You kind of try to follow Rami, but you see them begin to kind of emerge from the fog cloud that you, you cast. You see the glint of armor and them stalking towards you, moving with a little more urgency this time. They spot you, and, and you see them begin advancing a little faster. Just me, then. 
you try to follow Rami, then realize when they see you that if they follow you down there, you will also give away Rami's position and he's managed to escape, so you're like, can't do that. So, shouldn't make another constitution check. Okay. That's a 19 plus 19. two, so that's 21. Okay. You wander a bit further into the, the forged area. The heat kicks up even more. The smoke is, is kind of stifling at this point, but you still, uh, you've got your arms clamped firmly over your mouth. Um, and you managed to negotiate that successfully. Um, okay, would you like to make another stealth check? And that is a 14 minus one. <laughs> one day Antonio will escape this forge hell. That's a 12, what did you roll? 13. <laughs> hell yeah. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. And all of you are successfully out of initiative. You're out of combat. So I'm proud of us. From here, we're going to go to all of you in all of your different little areas of the market of all the side streets you've turned down and all the shops you ran into as you were trying to escape and first we are going to go to bram bram you walk through this lady's shop as your comrades are still <laughs> running outside and you see there's a lot of vendors as you walk down the street there's kind of this gruff looking older guy with a big cart and he's literally just got oysters ready to get the pearls out like fresh for you right there on the spot this is the port of pearl like this state is incredibly famous for the pearls it produces and there's a triton lady and she smiles at you as you as you walk down the street you know that you agreed with the others that you'd find your way back to the silk district so you probably have to ask for directions bram's like slowed down she's like spent the last however long sprinting full out carrying yeah. Ant antonio for some of it and she's killed a man she's broken a man's fingers um all while wearing half plate armor she's like really hot now and she's like slowed to a stop so bram is you know taking like a slow stroll through the back street and she she passes this triton woman and kind of just gives her like a friendly wave and then realizes she has no idea where she is because she's never been to this bit of Rie armor before yeah so she kind of like stops and she waves and she's like um you wouldn't know how to get to the silk trader district would you i i do yes i i could uh i could uh, direct you there but I, i'm dealing with a customer at the moment if you wouldn't mind coming in and waiting for a moment whilst i finish up i can tell you after that Bram glances in the window of the shop and she sees like these pearls and these like beautiful pieces of jewelry and she suddenly gets like an idea and like she starts smiling and she's like oh yeah no worries and wanders into the shop. The Triton lady looks like she's she's dealing with a gnome who's like stood up on a stool like peering over the counter looking at all of the wares. You see at the counter there's a dwarf, a dwarf with dark skin and, and long silver hair and they're kind of sitting at the counter and very intently looking into some kind of device some lensed device at something that's kind of pinned into place underneath and behind them is a goliath who's hovering gently there's an elf lady who's just walking around um kind of running her fingers through the pearls looking at necklaces and the triton lady who you get a closer look at her as you as you get a bit closer she's got blue scales and she's draped all over with pearls like they're kind of woven into her hair and she's wearing strings and strings of them she looks at you and she says uh, feel free to peruse my wares i just need to uh, finish dealing with this customer and then i can help you um I, we have all kinds of lovely 
pieces of jewelry here so if you're interested in that let me know and I will be with you in a moment and she goes and starts talking to the gnome take your time don't worry about me mm -hmm. and you know when you're in a shop and you're just kind of like hovering your hand over everything like mm -hmm. just you know you're not quite touching it but looking into things I guess eventually she kind of makes her way over to the side of the shop that the yeah, dwarf is like peering into the thing hi uh what have you got there the dwarf kind of like startles looks up at you uh she's got this like beautifully like braided silver beard and like her hair is braided as well and it's got like kind of little diamonds like white gemstones kind of woven into her silver hair and beard uh, and she startles a little looks up from the contraption and she says oh uh hello there uh i'm afraid i don't actually work here but uh I've got a, it, it's a gemstone, I supply the, the gemstones for uh, Ivlia over there. I, it's not a pearl, I don't really deal with pearls that much. Where are you looking for a gemstone? She looks around and kind of like circles her eyes around the shop and then looks back at the dwarf like, and you know, rocks back on her feet and she's like kind of nervously playing with her hands. She doesn't do it very often, but she's kind of like, um, yeah, actually, uh, do you have any quartz? Rose quartz? Rose quartz, you say? I, I believe I brought Evlia some of the stuff some moons ago, but I don't entirely recall what she did with it. Uh, Evlia, are you, are you busy right now? And you see Evlia turn her head towards you. She seems to be wrapping some piece of pearl jewelry up in some silk and she says, I will be uh, with you in just a moment and you see her voice gets a little warmer when she's talking to the dwarf as if they know each other and the dwarf nods and you see this kind of like spark of interest in her eyes as she turns back to you and she says so what are you looking for rose quartz for then? I guess you could say it's oh um it's an anniversary gift Oh, an anniversary, you say? Is it a big one? Uh, it's a big one for someone in my... or well, our professions, I guess. S seven years. Seven years? Wow, that's quite impressive, especially for someone in... Her eyes kind of rake up and down your armour and you see her kind of like making some quick judgments and she's like... Especially for someone in your profession, I suppose. Yeah, I- yeah. I'm not exactly inconspicuous, am I? And she kind of like glances self-consciously down at her, um, dazzlingly light blue ice plate armour. I suppose, uh, people in your sort of line of work aren't really known for their relationship longevity as such, so I'd be proud of seven years if I were you. Yeah, she's, she's put up with me for a very long time. You see the corner of her mouth quirks up a little more. She had this kind of very small smile on, but it's it gets a little wider as she looks at you and she kind of tilts her head and she says, So, what's your name, stranger? Well, Brown kind of like realises, like she shifts into like her full like night mode, like shoulders back and like she's like standing to attention. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't introduce myself before. And then she puts her hand out and she's like, I'm Sir Bramley Hemeris of Valenspire, and you are? Well now, Sir Bramley Hemeris. That's some title, isn't it? 
Well, I'm Lucrain, nice to meet you, and this here is our talk, and she gestures to the um, Goliath who's just kind of been hovering behind her. It's wonderful to meet you. The Goliath uh, kind of raises their hand quite uh, timidly. I wouldn't say timidly, they seem like a very sort of reserved, sort of quiet, gentle kind of person. Bram does like a friendly, like two-handed, like two-fingered salute, like, hi. And at this point you see uh, Ivelia, the Triton lady, comes back over and she says, Oh, sorry, pardon me. Uh, what was it you were looking for again? I'm afraid, I'm sorry, I was just uh, finishing up with that customer. Ooh, anything pink. My wife, pink. she's all about pink. You see, Lacran kind of smiles at that. Oh, your yeah. wife, eh? Yeah. Bandying that around, are we? Uh, Bram, Bram, like, blushes, like, bright pink. She goes, ah, oh, ah, uh, it's just, I love us, I love her a lot. Um, I don't really get to mention her to a lot of people. She's really cool. She's so much cooler than I am. So she's just... like kind of like wave, like flapping her hands around a little bit, like, you know, oh, she's gay. That is, <laughs> she's gay and happy stimming. Yes. Good for her. Ivlia smiles a little, like a very uh, polite sort of business-like smile, and she says, "Uh, well, it is." Uh, very sentimental, very nice to see people who care about their partners so deeply. Um, okay, so uh, pink, you say, hmm? And you see Lacren uh, kind of pipes up. Ivlia, what did you do with that, uh, what was it, rose quartz I sent you some months ago? And Ivlia, like, looks contemplative for a moment and she says, uh, you know, it is a little difficult to recall. I know I made some pieces with it, but it was uh, a couple of months ago, so... Lacren uh, smiles a little and says, I well, I certainly hope you did. They were fairly exceptional quality, if I do say so myself. I'd hate for them to have gone to waste. And Ivlia smiles and says, No, I am certain I said them into something. I will go and check in. Uh, please, uh, feel free to talk amongst yourselves whilst I do. Uh, and she heads off into the back of the shop. Um, and Lacren uh, watches her go for a little and then turns to you and says, Well, so what uh, brings you to these parts then? Work trip. Well, that's a bit of a tough assignment, isn't it? Wonder what your boss was thinking. These shores don't tend to be kind to people that don't know how to navigate them very well, if you'll excuse me saying so. I... I was here before very... It was it was ages ago. God, I was here. It's quite some time ago. I know I know my way around vaguely. I it's all it's all a lot different now. Uh, one of the people that is in my work group, she is a she's a ship's captain. Ex captain. Ex captain. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, trauma. Bram kind of like she kind of like she's playing with her fingers at the moment. She's like, yeah, I. I do have a group with me. They're much more trusted uh, with the navigation than I am. I'm just, I'm just here for um, muscle. Ah, I see. You're the muscle. There's always got to be one, doesn't there? Uh, and she gestures to the Goliath behind her, Artok. Uh, Artok smiles sheepishly and says, "Well, I suppose uh, 
Some of us tend to put on muscle mass a little easier than others, don't we? I'll drink to that, buddy. <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> I used to I used to be in a one of the nights I used to work with, I used to work with a a Goliath knight. She, honestly, she's taught me a few tricks over the years. Aye, I've uh, heard tell of the Knights of Valenswire, but from what I could tell, I thought they were a bit of a dying breed of sorts. There aren't really many of us, um, many of us left. Time and time again, tradition gives way to development, such as the way of life, I suppose. That's one way to put it, that is certainly one way to put it. Bram is kind of like clenching her fist, but she's like, okay, like, chill, chill. And she kind of turns back, she goes, I guess you could say that's how me and my wife got together, me leaving the knighthood. Is that so? Were they particularly strict about relationships? This one they were. We had to keep it under wraps quite a while while I was still there. But, you know, um... Say, good things can be born from bad situations. Sir Bramley Hameras, were you off wooing noble <laughs> ladies? In my eyes, she's the noblest, and she always will be. <laughs> God, that's so gay. I don't know how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm just dead ass. Like, I'm about to cry. <laughs> this is the biggest gay rights I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Bram looks like she's lost in her memories and she, and she kind of like she's kind of like a bit misty-eyed and she's like I'm I'm really sorry I just I haven't seen her in a while and well, come this gift you know I it's we haven't seen each other in a while and I just want to make sure that she knows that she is loved Lacran uh, tilts her head looks at you contemplatively there's been like a kind of twinkle in her eye this whole time but for a moment her gaze is serious as she says I am with you on that one I believe it's of the utmost importance to tell the people you love them whilst you still can is that you sound like you understand very much life doesn't quite last as long as the stuff of diamonds does now does it I suppose that's what makes it so precious. She gently places an arm on Lacren's shoulder and she's like, I hear you. But life has a way of looking up when you least expect it. I pray for your happiness. I'm sure Lachidarian smiles upon you. She smiles a little. Well, I personally worship Falthanar, but I appreciate the sentiment and I will pray to them for your own happiness. Bram kind of like, she kind of like grasps uh, the, 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 you know, like you do like a friendly, like, like a squeeze on the shoulder and she kind of smiles and goes, enough about, enough about the past. Let us not dwell too heavily on things that have been. And as she says that, you see Evlia, um come back over. And she's um, carrying in her hands a little box that's kind of laid with black velvet. Uh, I managed to find what I did with uh, Rose Quartz. Um, I've set it into some 
Some very fine pieces indeed, and she lays it down on the on the table. And there's some, it's mixed with a lot of pearls, there's like pink pearls and rose quartz, it looks like she's done a little bit of like a, uh, a themed um, selection. There's like drop earrings with like interspersed pearls and rose quartz, there's um, some like delicate little necklaces that just have like a, a little like sphere of rose quartz and a little pearl on top one of like each other. Um, and there's hair barrettes that have inlaid uh, rose quartz and pearls and uh, there's a ring that's in the shape of a rose formed out of rose quartz and then in the very centre there's like kind of nestled a a pink pearl. It's a very very pretty kind of like pale pink selection of trinkets. Bram like immediately clocks this this pink quartz rose with the pink pearl and she kind of like she gets this massive smile on her face and like she her hand was like hovering over the other wares gingerly lifts this little like rose quartz rose and she goes this would be perfect. Is there any way is there any way that you could get this into a hairpiece of some kind? That would be amazing. You see uh, Ivlia picks the ring up, turns it over in her hand, kind of like admires the way that it kind of catches the light and says, weighs it in her hand a little and says, Yes, I could, um, I could probably do that. It would, you know, cost you a little bit extra, of course. And Lacren, you kind of see, cuts her off, like, interrupts and says, Come though, Ivlia, I'm sure it's not that big of a- I'm, You can do it so quickly, I've seen how quickly you work on the forge. Come though, it's seven years anniversary, that's no trifle at all. And you see Ivlia smiles a little, kind of rolls her eyes good-naturedly, relents and says, Okay, I think I could do that for you. Would you mind waiting for, uh, let us say, an hour or so after I reset it? That would be fantastic. Thank you so much. I don't know how to thank you guys enough. You see Lacren, uh kind of grins at you, nudges you in the ribs a little. Ivlia shakes her head, takes the ring and, and goes to the to work in the back of her shop. And Lacren says, you know, she might present as a businesswoman on the outside, but she's a big softie, really. I understand. Um, my, my wife is more of the, the, the more diplomatically minded of the, the two of us. I'm more um, uh, aggressive in my negotiations. Hi, well, you didn't look like you were going to bargain very aggressively there to me, but I suppose that tells me more about how much you love your wife than anything else, eh? She's my world, and she, she hangs the stars, and she lights up my entire being, and Bram kind of like, she kind of like stops herself from like, she kind of like clasps her hand over her mouth, and she's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what got into me, and kind of like plops down on a chair and like stares at the ground, like her face is bright red. Lacren laughs a little and says, well now, should I fit you a scroll and a pen to write down all that poetry you're writing? <laughs> Bram is like, I wish my wife was here to hear you say that. Why is that? She's the most articulate, and and then she stops herself again. She's like, you probably don't want to hear, don't, don't want to hear me talk about this. I just know that she writes the most beautiful sonnets. 
and she's always on she's always on my ass about my lack of my lack of articulation um, I can't write anything to save my life well if you keep talking in that way and fancy mongering the way you are I'm sure some bard will pick you up and you'll be a professional lyricist in no time Bram kind of like gives um, Lecren like an easy smile back and you know just, just like a thank you smile. Uh, do you want to see this tourmaline I picked up? What's a tourmaline? And we're going to cut there with you peering into this uh, very finely designed scope. And Lecren kind of like chatting onto you and saying like, I actually, uh, that's my deal with Evlia, that she lets me use the scope and I evaluate gyms and I deal them with her. She's, you know, my point of contact here and you both kind of sit and chat in this pearl dealership with uh, Evelia in the back, kind of finely tinkering uh, that hairpiece that you required. Uh, Artok kind of standing next to you as the light streams in and you can kind of smell the soft, salty tang of the sea. From here, we're going to cut um, to Rami. Rami, you were the next person to escape. So you kind of disappear down this side alley and it's a bit like dark and wet and a bit um, gross for a minute um, as you kind of wend your way through this dark alley. And then you find yourself in the ceramics district. So you see there are loads of people with like um, plates and pots and, and glassware kind of milling around. And you kind of, as you're, as you're kind of like still walking quite hurriedly you run like full tilt into this person who has like a whole stack of pots in his arms and he's like whoa 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 are you okay slow down there's no need to run like that where are you going are you on the run from the law or something are you okay oh oh i'm 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 so i'm so sorry i'm really sorry i i i didn't mean to sorry i just uh uh and then he kind of thinks about it for a minute and then he goes uh, I, I'm running late. I, I've got a meeting I, I, with somebody. I, I have to be somewhere. Sorry. I, 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 I do apologize. Are you, are you all right? Well, well, well. Hold on now, son. You seem very uh, stressed about something. You know, uh, I have something that can help with that. You know, I, I might sell pot, but I also sell uh, pot. You know what I'm saying? You know oh, what I mean? Um. Oh, uh, I'm fine. Thank you. I don't know if... Uh, he, he turns around to, to look at Jared and is like, do you... Jared looks so bemused. He, um, they're they're kind of like, what? What's part? What, what's the difference? I, he just said pot twice. Oh, never mind. Never mind. That's, that's, <laughs> right, that's fine. Um, no, I, I think we'll be all right. I, I, I do. I, I could ask you for one thing, though, and that is um, that uh, do you happen to uh, have directions to the Silk District from here? Um, we appear to have got ourselves a little bit lost. As you kind of like take a moment and like calm down a bit, you're in a side street, no one can see you, the guards aren't after you anymore, and you, you take a minute and you actually settle and look at this man a bit more. He's like a burly, like dad bod kind of guy. He's got like tan skin. Um, he's he's taller than you. You're quite tall and he's taller than you. He's got like a oiled um, beard and it's like he smells like super good like he smells like these like fragrant oils and spices and stuff and he's got this beard that kind of like curls a little at the end um, he's got a sort of 
green eyes and as you look at his eyes um they're like pale green and they've got like a slit in the middle like um like a snake's eyes um this guy's a yun ti you can tell that he's a snake person because he's got um like some some patches of uh snake skin up his arms uh and his hair is kind of tied oiled back again and tied in like a low ponytail at the base of his skull he's got like a big like dad kind of energy about him big like meaty hands with like gold rings on each finger uh he's he's um he's got like a kind of loose fitting linen white shirt on uh and he's he's very kind of like jovial jovial seeming he has big like jason momoa energy <laughs> i guess is the way i'd put it he and he has this like very sort of like jovial energy about him like extremely good natured he's looking down at you and he has like smile lines um, snake dad. Uh, at his eyes like in the corner of his eyes where you can see like he smiles a lot i won't even make you make like an insight check on this guy because his just general demeanor is so apparent that he's just such a nice person um and he's he's holding in his arms he's clutching uh, a bunch of pots um and they're mostly white but you can see there's like little pieces of jade kind of inset into it in a sort of like almost mosaic style and they like curve and curl around it it's very very beautiful beautiful like kind of green and black jade and yeah it's really pretty and and you see he kind of shifts the pots in his arms and he smiles down at you and says oh uh, what a coincidence i was actually planning to go up to the silk district to see my wife we take lunch together a lot of the time so uh yes uh, you're welcome to accompany me if you would like oh uh thank you so much that would be great we, we would very much be appreciative if, if you could just lead us there then then we'll be fine thank you of course, no, it is no problem. My my pleasure, in fact. Um, and you see him kind of like consider for a moment. He looks down at the pots in his arms, and he's like, "Are you sure? I mean, I know you're not interested in that other kind of pot, but uh, you know these make very good gifts, like for your mother or I don't know. They are very good. They're very practical. I'm I a lot of people use them for uh, sp storage of spices and uh, other things. Oh, my mother would like one of those." Um... It's, it's it's beautiful. How, uh, how much are they? Oh, well, uh, it uh, depends on what size you want, I suppose. He, he puts down his wares. He starts, like, <laughs> pulling, like, little pots out. There's, like, some huge ones and there's some, like, little tiny baby ones. Um, and they're all very, very finely crafted and very beautiful. For example, this one, he, like, pulls up a, like, a small tiny one. This one would only put you out, like, one or two silver. This one is, like, you know, like, three gold. He starts pulling out, like, all different sizes. They look, they look absolutely lovely. I will say, um, I am sort of on business at the moment. So, uh, perhaps if I take your name, my friend, then uh, I can contact you at a later time and, and arrange, perhaps. Uh, they are very beautiful. Great artistry. I'm from, uh, they're actually all from Shazazarin. I'm from Shazazarin, so they're all kind of, uh, how do you say, native designs. Um, my name is, uh, Salazar, and yours? Salazar, uh, my name is Rami. Uh, nice to meet you. And he reaches out his hand to shake, uh, Salazar's, and also says, uh, and this is my, my companion, Jared. Uh, they're here with me as well. Mm, Rami, I see. That does not sound like a name that is native to this area, huh? Huh. <laughs> Perhaps that is why you were not aware of the dangers of running around in this market like that, eh? 
Oh no no, I'm not I'm not from Riyama, but uh, I, I'm from a neighboring planet, so not not too far away. And uh, pardon my observation, but you seem a little uh, lost here, I suppose. Uh, well, uh, it is uh, my first time in this part uh, of the continent, but um, I was sent here to to work, um, and. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm meeting up with a few of my colleagues, that, that's all. Um, uh, I, I'm afraid I can't go into too much detail, but... Uh, oh, I see. Well, uh, no, it is of no uh, consequence to me. I am simply uh, your escort yes. for the afternoon, eh? And he claps his, like, kind of big, <laughs> meaty dad hand down on your back. It has, like, quite a big impact. You kind of stumble a little bit with it, and he kind of laughs raucously, uh, good-naturedly. Then he says, Well, we should probably uh, get going up to the Silk District. It's not too far. Not too far. We'll be there in no time. No worries. Yes, of course. How, how, are, you, how are you doing, Jared? Uh, they say... Uh, yeah, I, I'm alright. I, I love your pots. Um, and the the vendor kind of laughs awkwardly, like a little <laughs> like dad laugh. Uh, smiles a little at Jared. Uh, and then Jared uh, looks at Celazar and says, uh, "I was wondering, actually, do you know where the Sudraki Ice Gossamer vendor stall is?" Celazar thinks for a moment and he says. Ah, yes, I believe it is actually uh, opposite uh, my wife's stall, or very near it at least. It should not be a difficulty for me to get you there. No worries. Come, let us go. Um, and he starts uh, walking up the street by your side. We cut now to Antonia, who is the third person who managed to escape. So you also find yourself in a kind of like dark... Um, alley kind of space and you you kind of walk a bit further down and then you find yourself in uh in, in quite a varied quarter it doesn't it doesn't really seem as if it's dedicated to a specific purpose you see like uh kind of some sweet meats and some confectionery and some some fruit and uh some and you see uh, a lady selling spices and she's kind of she's got all of these like little clay pots of spices all laid out um and uh, there's like a, a sign in the corner for um, a fortune teller and there's a tarot card reading stall. There's just loads and loads of stuff here. The way you, the place you've entered is like very diverse and very kind of packed. Um, so what would you like to do? Um, I think Antonia's not a particularly big fan of fortune tellers and tarot card readers and that kind of thing because mm -hmm. As far as she's concerned, they've never done her any good. So I think she's just going to go talk to the lady selling spices. You, you kind of uh, walk over to the lady selling spices and she has like this incredible like lush store employee energy where she's <laughs> immediately, like the minute you walk up, she's like, hi, how can I help you? Um, Do you want to smell this? And she like immediately puts like a pot up to your face for you to smell. <laughs> uh, Antonia uh, sniffs it, thinks it smells a little bit weird, so kind of gently pushes it away. She's like... That was, uh, that was lovely. It's important that from was Sarine. lovely. Yeah, it's important from Sarine. All of these spices are. That's that's really cool. She's you see she's got kind of like dark skin and she's got like this um, white kind of flowy shift dress um, on, and she she smiles at you and like as you start talking she starts like paying like rapt attention to you and she's 
kind of wait for you to say what you have to say. Uh, yeah, these, I mean, these spices are lovely. It's, it's quite exciting to see them from, uh, such far off places. I was actually, uh, just wondering if you could give me some directions to the Silk District? Oh, uh, yeah, she deflates a little bit. Um, oh. <laughs> she, she's like, uh, yeah, I, I know where that is. Um, it's, it's actually quite, quite close to here. Um, if you just kind of... If, if you take a left at the tarot store and then just keep walking until you um, you should see this like little shop that it, it kind of it specializes in these like really weird shaped daggers you, you'll know when you see it so if you just walk down there and, and go to that shop and then uh, take a right there and then keep walking straight you should find yourself in the silk district Thank you so much. I think Antonia feels a little bit bad about not buying anything, so she's like, um... I mean, I don't have to be there for a while. You can show me a couple of things if you want. She I mean, off again. <laughs> <laughs> she off again. She's like, oh, okay, um, I mean, we, we sell these in, um, th these are from, like, kind of the north of Sudrak, so, um, there, so th there's, like, some spices that grow kind of near the more mountainous regions and some that grow up, like, more near the coastal regions, and she's like, she immediately starts, like, bustling into her stall and, like, trying to find you spices, and she's like, she brings out this, like, little pouch of, like, it's nice, it's, like, fragrant, it smells like, like, star anise or something, and she, like, brings out two of those, and she's like, these, these are from, um, kind of near the coast, but, yeah. Wow, this is, this is lovely. Um, I mean, I'm not a particularly big one for cooking or perfume, because I just don't have the time, really, but, um, I mean, have you got anything for making leather armor smell less bad? Oh. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have all kinds of, like, uh, fragrances, and she, she starts kind of, like, going into her shop a bit more, and she, she pulls out this, like, little gauze pouch of, um, it, it just kind of, it looks like, um, little, or, like, dried orange flowers, um, and she kind of, like, brings it up to her nose and smells it and then passes it to you and it, it smells like cinnamon and she's like uh yeah some some people like to like you know tuck this in uh in cabinets or or kind of hang it inside their armor or things like that because i know it, it gets kind of like hot and sweaty right when you're all fighting and stuff like it's that. it's pretty gross yeah yeah wow uh i mean this smells this smells lovely thank you so much uh no worries uh, um, it's only one silver it's not too yeah expensive. i guess antonia gives her the one silver she kind of holds her hand a little bit when she puts the silver in because she feels really bad for <laughs> she does she, not like watching people be sad when she says things <laughs> she, she like she beams at you and like clasps your hand a little bit as well and she's like have a blessed day thank you you too and i think antonia kind of heads off in the direction of the silk district okay yeah so you with your little purchase um <laughs> you begin to make your way up to the silk district the Silk District is also incredibly busy as all of you begin to kind of draw in from your various locations. It's a it's a long, long road filled with just like immense colour and like everything is bright and beautiful and there's like draped fabrics everywhere and like gold and embroidery and like just it's it's absolutely gorgeous. And you make your way there and there's like rolls of fabric and people like holding it up against themselves, looking in like kind of glass mirrors and things like that as you make your way down the street and you find as you kind of like walk past looking at 
all the stall names, each of you individually find the little alley that you were supposed to meet in, which is next to the Sudraki Ice Gossamer vendor store. And you find out as you reach it that Ice Gossamer is this very like fine, thin, gauzy, silky, blue fabric and it seemed pretty popular there are people kind of milling around the stall and, and the alley next to it you can tell that that was the alley that was described by jared and in the note do we see each other no i think antonia and rami reached there around the same time brown's waiting a little bit to get her um piece of jewelry so the two of you kind of converge there first um antonia are you well yeah i'm fine <laughs> she kind of waves the little uh pouch she's like how do you say no to people selling you things? It is very <laughs> difficult, I understand. At this point, Salazar kind of like steps up and he he's, he smiles kind of, he beams very like good-naturedly um, at um, you, Antonio, and he's like, is this your traveling companion? Yeah, um, yeah, Colleague, colleagues. Yes. Colleague, yeah. oh. oh, nice. It is a pleasure to meet you, my name is Salazar. Oh, nice to meet you too. Uh, what do you have there? Would you like a pot for it? He, put, he pulls out a tiny pot. <laughs> I'm alright, thank you. Alright, he tucks it away. <laughs> he pulls out a, he pulls out a bag. Salazar's <laughs> so out. good. Yeah, he pulls out a little bag and he's like, gonna interest you in... Hmm? Technically I'm working, so I'm gonna say no, but uh... Oh, remind me of your name? <laughs> everyone is getting Salazar's contact to buy pot of him. <laughs> Rami, Rami is gonna buy an actual pot. Rami is gonna buy an actual pot, just so we're clear. <laughs> um, my name is Elizar and my wife, uh, he kind of gestures across the, the alley and you see like this um, UNT lady and she's got like swaths of fab of like green fabric. Okay, well, uh, if this is where you need to be, I suppose this is where we part ways. Uh, yes, yes, I, I think it is. Thank you so much, Salazar. I am very grateful to you. Really a pleasure. It is. It has been nice to... Uh, have some company on this walk. Um, and he yes. kind of, he smiles at you, uh, kind of hefts his pots in his arms, gives you a little wave. Uh, Rami sort of kind of inclines his head in a greeting gesture, just farewell. Farewell, it has been it has been a pleasure, truly. And he um, walks over to his wife. Yeah, so you guys are standing at the entrance of this alley and, and Jared kind of like frames their neck to kind of peer um, over your, your shoulder. And uh, at this point, Rami goes, "Oh yes, of course," and he gently lets uh, he gently lets um, Jared down. Yeah, J Jared kind of like roly polies a bit and lands uh, on their They they kind of like smile up at you and they're like, "Huh, that was a close one, huh?" Yes, very. Um, now, uh, how soon do we need to sort this out? How how quickly? Um, uh, where, where's Bram? I, I don't know. Uh, I, maybe maybe she got caught up doing something. I, I don't know. Perhaps uh, she also has some difficulty with saying no to things, Antonia. Um, maybe some something or someone caught her eye. Quite possibly. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, the the locals here can be uh, very persuasive, as I'm sure you you realized. Um, let, let's go into the friendly. Fr friendly, yeah. Uh, does make you want to buy their stuff though, huh? Let's let's add into the alley. Um, you see, it's quite dim in there, but there is right at the back. It's like completely dark. There's no one down here, but right at the back, covered by grime and grey water, is this circular manhole cover-looking thing. And as you guys reach there, I think Bram probably you've picked up your jewelry, you've paid for it, and you see Bram kind of appear in the kind of linger in the entrance of the alley, probably kind of like looking around for you guys. So Bram, we're over here. 
Bram, like, turns her head, like, round the corner towards where Rami was yelling, and she gives, like, a cute, like, wave, strolls over. She's like, hi. Hi, are you well? Did you guys make it here all right? No scratches, no bumps? No, just... No, I, I think we're all right. I mean, uh, I am a little bruised, I admit, but uh, it's nothing that I can't fix up later. Uh, I think uh, I shall sleep well tonight, if anything. Yeah, I'm fine. Just... And she kind of shows off this little bag. She's like, how do you say no to people trying to sell you stuff, though? I absolutely have no idea. And she kind of, like, pats her breastplate where the, the, the jewelry's just tucked in under her armor. Antonia nods in solidarity. She's like, yeah, yeah. Right, so... You you converge around this manhole and it's dark grey and made of heavy stone. Jared starts kind of like kind of trying to brush the, the water and the debris off of it and it's like it's quite gross and black and gunky. Um, but as you look at it closer you see dark, dizzying black runes that give the impression of tumbling into like a deadly smoke choked abyss. Um, and Jared seems to expect this they they regularly tumble into the abyss yeah. <laughs> they pull uh, a small jet black stone from one of the pockets of their their dark kind of religious robes and they put it on the center of the cover and you see the runes kind of pulse for a second the, they glow kind of silvery for a moment and then they spin it twice one way and then once the other way and then kind of stamp on it three times and it kind of rattles a bit and then drops through. It's complete darkness inside and there's like a some kind of ladder that seems as if you should climb down it. Jared, if, if I may ask, uh, where is this leading? Uh, so down here, if the information Monsoon gave me is, is to be believed, there should be some kind of teleportation runes or something that should bring us to uh, a shrine that's closer to Sudrak, like a lot closer to Sudrak than where we are now. I see, I see. Okay. Who, who would like to go down first? Okay, I see, I see <laughs> that, that, that that's probably me then. Bram's <laughs> like, well, if, if you're offering, but you know, I, I can go first if I feel like I'm a bit more well-equipped to deal with anything if there's anything untoward down there. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I, I don't want to put you into too much trouble, of course, um, but... Um, it's not. If, I'm, if that's you, what I'm here for. I have to keep if, you guys safe. If you don't mind, I would appreciate you having a look. Brown gives like a, like, a salute, like, a, like a Boy Scout salute. She goes, see you on the other side. And like jumps down the hole and holds onto the ladder and like slides down the ladder. Yeah, you slide down the ladder. Um, it is very dark in here, but you have you have dark vision, so you can kind of see around you a little bit. If you're worried, you can make a perception check to see if you hear anything. That's a five. Plus four, actually, so it's a nine. Nine. Um, I'm going to say with a nine, you can probably tell is that when you landed, like the sound of your armor clinking didn't reverberate very far. It's either a small area or it's got soft furnishings in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a well soundproofed room unlike all of our rooms <laughs> it's the room we should be recording in <laughs> yeah Bram casts light on uh, one of her gloves yeah. just the single glove okay. and she kind of like holds it up and peers around okay you cast you cast light on, on your glove 
your fingers begin to glow with this like icy blue aura and you raise it up and use it to look around the room. You're in a very, very small room. The only thing that's there really is this very, almost quite plain and crumbled looking stone altar which has runes on it covering the whole altar like spidering over every facet of its surface and there's some like white ivy that's growing up the walls of this like kind of stone basementy sort of room you can see that there might have been a passage that used to lead somewhere but it's completely like covered by rocks like it's as if it's collapsed on itself and crumbled um so you, you get the impression that this is a very very old shrine okay cool um, Bram peers around. She doesn't like look at the stone too closely. She's just making sure there's no like immediate danger. And then when she kind of susses that everything's all right, she kind of calls back up. She's like, "It's okay. I think you can come down if you want." Uh, okay, uh, I'll go next, I guess. They kind of scramble a bit and gets down there. They immediately like kind of go over to the altar and they're like, "Okay, ah, uh, good. Okay, this is this is good. This is supposed to be here. All right." Uh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll come down, and uh, Rami just climbs down, very normal, average, um, yep. lands at the bottom, sure. and... Uh, yeah, Antonio also climbs down. As you reach the bottom and you all um, are gathered here, Jared kind of looks over their shoulders and says, Ah, does someone mind just, like, pushing, pushing the manhole cover back up into place just so that, like, no one else can get down here after us? Yes, I, I can do that. Uh, should anything go wrong, would you be able to open it again? Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's fine. It can be open from the inside, just not the outside you need. Of course, stone. yes. Yeah. Uh, so Rami uh, reaches up and, and shifts the manhole. It's kind of like a graunchy kind of sound. Yeah. Gross. And shifts it back into place and it clicks. Yeah, you can hear the like kind of stone grinding on stone as you push the manhole cover back into place and the room is pitch darkness, but for the icy glow provided by Bram's magic glowing gauntlet um, <laughs> which has cast the room in this kind of like eerie like icy blue light you know kind of like the light from a computer monitor at night that's kind of what um, the effect is um, and Jared um, is kind of pouring over the altar and they say ah Bram would you would you mind coming over here for a sec just so I can I can see a bit more clearly yeah sure Bram follows Jared. Okay. Uh, you guys look at the altar and you see Jared fumbles around for a moment uh, in their robes and produces another um, pouch. And out of this one, they take a piece of pure bone white wood. Um, and Rami, do you want to actually make a, a history check for me? That is a nat three. Nat three. <laughs> Got it up to an eight, but... Mm. Okay. Uh, looks kind of <laughs> like the wood that your staff is made out of. Just a bit. So they, they put this piece of bone white wood down on the altar. And then they kind of turn to the rest of you and say, uh, does, does anyone have something that could that could burn this? Because we, we need, like, so the thing that fuels our, our transport is ash of the relith tree. So we, we need to burn this piece of wood. I, um, does anyone have a match? Ram's like, I mean, I do. Uh, if someone could reach around into my, my pack and... Uh, just There should be in there somewhere. Just rummage around in there. <laughs> Antonia rummages around. She finds the matches for Bram's bag and hands one to Jared. Can, can, can Bram do a cool thing? Can yeah. Bram, like, take the match and light it on her armor? <laughs> Please do. You can. Please. I wish she would. 
Okay, yeah. yeah. You you take the match. Um, what part of your armor are you lighting it on? Uh, just kind of the chest plate. She's still got one arm kind of held up with the light, and she kind of flicks it on the chest plate and hands it down to Jared. They look up at you. They're like, <laughs> kind of almost like they they think you guys are so cool. Like it's <laughs> so clear that they just think you guys are the coolest. They look up at you with their like big orange eyes, kind of like you can see the flame kind of flickering in them for a moment. Oh, um, that's so sweet. And and they smile at you and they're like. Thanks. Um, and they take um, the match and touch it to the bone white wood. They seem hesitant as if they don't really know what they're doing. And then they start to kind of trace their fingers over the runes kind of experimentally. And then as they touch one rune in particular, it begins to dissipate into black smoke. And then you guys watch with the kind of eerie dim monitoresque blue light from Ram's gauntlet as their eyes go black and a voice that isn't there spills from their mouth along with pure shadow in the form of black smoke and you hear like a craven and you feel your mouths being forced open and pure shadow begins to spill thickly from your own mouths flooding out of it and you blink once and for a moment everything you see is utterly grey and desaturated. You blink again and the colours return for a moment even though they're dim and weird and warped. And then the next time you blink everything stays grey and cold and you feel something beginning to be gradually sapped from you. And that's where we're going to end this episode. Nothing oh, good fuck. ever happens to us. We turn into dogs. We, we're all no, colorblind. We, yeah, we've all been, yeah, that's as bad. We've been damn good. hoodwinked. We've been bamboozled. We've been, and this is the technical term for it. No, it's not. Gazumped. It's an addiction.